very much. Thank you. Please be seated. Well, I appreciate the warm welcome. It's good to be back. Um, I, I want to speak tonight on a very important subject, and, and I think it's extremely important, and it's simply the question, why am I here? Uh, I like the story of a Sunday school teacher who was trying to get across to his um, boys who were 10-year-olds and not really interested, uh, the importance of, of prayer. And so he told them the story about a missionary in Africa who was walking down the jungle track and suddenly heard a ferocious lion and he roared and he looked around, there was a ferocious lion. So he ran for his life and the boy's eyes opened, you know. And he was running along, he turned a corner and there was a stream with a crocodile with its mouth open. And he didn't know what to do and suddenly he remembered prayer. And as he knelt to pray, the lion sprang over the, his head into the mouth of the crocodile. And he said to the boys, what do we learn from that story? Johnny put his hand up. Yes, Johnny, look before you leap, sir. And um, I don't want you to get this one wrong because this is very important. Why am I here? Where are we going? We've got it going? I'm doing everything right. I know I am. There we go. Uh, so many people ask, sorry, there was one before, wasn't it? No, no, sorry. Oh dear. Which is the first slide have I got, I've got lost now, haven't I? Shouldn't have played, eh? Yeah, here we go. Why am I, yes, we made it. <laughs> I, I appreciate those who prayed. Um, Spiritual emptiness is a universal disease. They had an article in the Herald that we're experiencing this year the highest suicide rates per capita ever in, in our nation. And you've read the papers, seen the television news, some very talented, famous people taking their lives. Just a sense of, of, of emptiness, no purpose. In fact, I read a study just the other day, one in four, Harvard students suffer from mental illness. Isn't that amazing? And, and so here's some interesting things. Spiritual illness, it's universal, universal disease. We're the best fed, best clothed, best educated, more knowledge available to us than any other generation has ever seen. Many young people today are cosmic orphans. I talked about that this morning. They've got no purpose in life. Uh, they don't realize that God wants to be their father. Uh, they just wonder why they're just on this planet, wondering what it's all about. Uh, you are not an accident. You know, you can be an accidental parent, but you can't be an accidental child. Every child born into this world is born under the desire and design and purpose of God. And we must get hold of that. That must be the most bottom line uh, when the devil makes us depressed or challenges us because what he wants to destroy is God's plan. And he wants to destroy the plan that God has for your life. And if we can really let the Holy Spirit write those words on our fleshly heart, you are designed on this earth 
by the purposes of God. Psalm 139 says, you were there when all the delicate inner parts of my body were knit together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderful complex. It's amazing to think about it. You scheduled every day of my life before I began to breathe. That's the word of God. That's not some guru. That's not some pop psychologist. That is God speaking. And we've got to claim it over our lives because it's very, very important. See, so many ask, why can't I solve my own problems? Well, why, why can't I do that? Others, um, why do I feel a fake? A friend of mine, Dr. Kurt Thompson, an America psychologist, has written a book called Shame. And he says so many talented uh, musicians, pop stars, and others receive all this adulation, but they know they don't really deserve it. They know they're just human, and they feel a fake, which makes them feel a shame. And that shame can be a killing part of their, their lives. Don't you ever feel ashamed. You have a purpose, and God is on your side. Uh, why don't I feel fulfilled? You know, people have all this money, and yet they're miserable. They have all this talent, and yet they take their own lives. Uh, why do I have to pretend more than I really am? You know, are you happy in your skin? Are you happy who you are? Because God has got a purpose for you that nobody else can do on this earth, and he's waiting for you to respond to that. You see, we even preach in the church God has unconditional love for us. That's rubbish. God's love is conditional. The only gospel that talks about love is the gospel of John, and it's John 3:16. for God so loved the world, not loves, loved the world, in one act of allowing Jesus to die on a cross and rise again for our sins, that was his act of love. So the early church preached repentance. If you want to experience the love of God, you've got to repent before God and then his love overflows to you. Do you understand that? So many people spread that mistruth that God's love is unconditional. It's not. It's conditional on you obeying him and repenting. That's why the early church, when they saw the power of God fall, it was message of repentance. As for the days of sin, God has overlooked them, but now he commands all men everywhere to repent. That's the message the early church brought. Powerful message. The issue of meaning is more than a religious issue, they are human issues. I found an interesting quote, Bertram Russell. He's the was the famous British philosopher. But this is what he said. Unless you assume a God, the question of the purpose of life is meaninglessness. Meaningless. In other words, if there is no God, there is no grand scheme significant to anything. If there is no God, your birth was an accident, you simply represented a random chance. If there is no God, there's no right or wrong and no heaven or hell. Now, isn't that amazing for an atheist to declare that? But we know there is a God and we knows 
we know there's no meaninglessness in our lives if we respond to what God wants us to. Uh, interesting that uh, it's your world view is determining your relationship and your behavior and everything in your life. In other words, it's not how you live, it's how you're gonna die is the important issue. You understand that? Because that's the whole issue of why you're here, uh, because it's the next life that counts. The test of our worldview is not how we live, it's how we die. Francis Schaeffer in the 60s, he developed a program in Switzerland called Labri. And uh, thousands of uh, young intellectuals, disillusioned with life, found their way there. And he would have discussions. And these are the three issues he covered with the discussion with these young people. The fear of the impersonal. You know, life is random luck. You know, it just happens. Uh, the fear of non-being. Nothing is really real. I mean, a few years ago, the philosophy came out that nothing's real. Even that chair you're sitting on, it's just your imagination. Have we, people believe that rubbish, you know? And if you don't believe what God says, you open your mind to some of the best garbage you could ever believe in. And I'm amazed, uh, you know, my, my, my son was a Rhodes Scholar at Oxford uh, University, and he said, Dad, you'd be amazed. Some of the greatest brains believe absolute rubbish about life. And they pontificate to their students about it. And the students have to write it down to pass the exam. Lovely if somebody wrote, my professor spent a year sharing the best bulldust I've ever heard. <laughs> Wouldn't that be lovely? And finally, the fear of death. You see, death is a release. If you're a Christian and you have Jesus living in your life and the Holy Spirit is filling your life, you're going to a far better place. Isn't that awesome? A far better place. See, Christianity answers those three great fears that we have of life. The loving God is personal. He is neither silent, but he speaks, and he wants to speak to us. In Psalm 109, David said, I remember how short my life is. Why did you create us for nothing? He was so desperate, he asked God that question, and God gave him a wonderful answer. Job, he cried out, why should I work so hard for nothing? Is there no meaning and purpose why am I even here doing this? And I think it's a question we all must ask, even if we ask it in desperation. C.S. Lewis, the wise person said, sometimes God whispers to us, but sometimes he has to shout to us in pain. And often through pain, God makes us stop and think, what is really going on here? Listen to this great scripture. It is in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us, had designs on us for glorious living, part of the overall purpose he is working out in everything and everyone. Isn't that awesome? I mean, that's, 
I mean, the Bible amazes me what it punches in just a few words, but what an awesome statement to make. In a past life, I used to be a radio engineer. And in those days, the only way to, trans, uh, to communicate outside New Zealand was either by the post or by radio. There was no compact cables, there were no satellites, there were no nothing. And uh, I worked at Macro Radio Station, which was the big receiving station uh, for the whole of New Zealand in those days for radio phone communication, business communication, everything. And I was on the doggo shift one night uh, morning and at 3 a.m. I got a call from the Defense Department. And there was a crisis on a, a huge Skymaster, one of the big, was the biggest plane in those days, had flown down to the American base at McMurdo. It had enough fuel to get down there and three quarters of the way back. And so they had to plan that flight very carefully. And they'd planned the flight very carefully but just as they arrived at McMurdo, a huge blizzard just rolled in and they couldn't land. And so the only thing was for them to turn back and they know they'd have to ditch somewhere in the sea, but at least they tried to get back. But someone had worked out that because of the time change, the two designers of that aircraft, that great aircraft at McDonnell Douglas were at work and uh, they got hold of them, they got them on, on the phone, and my job was to keep that phone circuit very clear so they could give us instructions. And I emotionally even feel churned up about it now, to hear these two men talk about their baby, this huge eight-engine plane, our baby, and saying things to the pilot and the engineer on board, look, uh, we think there could be a tolerance on the fuel gauge, maybe plus or minus 3%. Let's just think it, it's, 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 it's plus, uh, sorry, it's minus three. There's more fuel than you think in that tank. Uh, and, and then guide them and say, now look, we designed the wings that you could glide for such a period. So if you just gradually, gradually climb and then glide for a while, climb and glide for a while. This went on for two and a half hours. That aircraft, landed at Christchurch Airport with kerosene sloshing in the tank. 11 lives were saved, why? Because they talked to the designer. And the privilege you and I have of being a Christian is we can talk to the designer. Isn't that awesome? You know, and, and it doesn't matter who you are, I mean, I shared this morning, I, I've studied all my life, and, and yet God's using me with my voice on television and radio years ago, and still a bit of radio and preaching. And I look back now, I'm 79 years of age, and I look back and I think stuttering was the best thing that happened to me, because it made me depend on God's plan. I never got sidetracked because it was only when I was telling children's stories or preaching I didn't stutter. And so God kept me on track. You may have a disability. You may have things that you're not happy with. Have you given them to God? Your fears, your disabilities, your desires, have you laid them at the cross and said, Jesus, they're yours I want what you have planned for my life. Let me read that verse again. Isn't it amazing? 
It is in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us, had designs on us for glorious living, part of the overall purpose he's working out in everything and everyone. Oh, I wish that we will all claim that as we walk out of this uh, theater tonight, we've written it on the flesh of our hearts. God has a plan for us. Now, eternal life. You see, God is as close as our mouth and our heart. Look what the scriptures say. No one has ever gone up into the presence of God except the one who came down from that presence, the Son of Man. In the same way that Moses lifted up the serpent in the desert so people could have something to see and then believe, it's necessary for the Son of Man to be lifted up and everyone who looks upon him, trusting and expectant, will gain real life, eternal life. You see, that real life, that eternal life starts now. The moment you accept Jesus into your heart, that life begins. See, so many people who come to church treat Jesus as a, a sort of an option. He's, he's their life coach. But he wants to be savior. He wants you and I to understand how hopeless we are in the presence of God because of our sins. We have to be that desperate that we desire repentance of God. And when we have that, then we know we're as close as our mouth. We confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will find salvation in God. You see, I have a dream. I, I pray every day for my 11 grandchildren uh, and I pray for a lot of friends. You see, I dream that on that great day when Jesus returns as not a baby, but as the King of Kings, and we all stand there, I will be standing there with my grandchildren and a lot of their friends and a lot of my friends. And I want to hear God say to me, well done, you good and faithful servant. And that only happens when Jesus is not only our life coach, he's our Lord and master. And that demands sacrifice. That demands us saying, what is your purpose for me? So every day we should wake up as if we've got a little aerial. Son talking to the father, daughter talking to the father, watch the plan. What's the plan? And believe God has a purpose for you and accept things. Accept who you are. You're a child of the living God. So when you're somewhere like a supermarket and you see someone and uh, somehow you say to them, how are you? And they say, oh, not, not, well, not going too good. He say, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. No. Say, would you like me to pray for you? I'm not gonna close my eyes. You see, you don't have to touch them and say, oh God in the sinful supermarket, touch this person. You know, that's theatrics. 
You can just look at that person and say, I'm not going to close my eyes. I'm going to talk quietly, but I'm going to pray for you. The amount of people I've done that for who years later come and thank me. I remember this Maori lady at Royal Oak Mall. I, Sue Margaret, I bumped into her trolley and uh, I said, oh, I'm sorry. She says, that's all right, I'm not concentrating. I, I've got a problem. And I said, what's the problem? Can I pray for it? And I told her, years later, I met her in Hastings. And she came up to me and we'd just started Parenting with Confidence, which became the Parenting Place. And on a Queen Anne chocolate box, in uh, Maori and in English, she'd written a prophecy that God had given her about Mary and I in our future ministry. And we still hold on to that. And she grabbed my hand and she said, my son is no longer a drug addict. He's following Jesus. You know? I read a number of newspapers on my iPhone, and I don't know why I do it, but I read the Daily Mirror. It fascinates me in England. Uh, they, take, they talk about Coronation Street as if it's real <laughs> news, in amongst all the news. But, but it, it's, it, it's just amazing. Uh, the way they're on to um, uh, Prince Harry's wife, Megan, you know? She can't do anything without it being reported. She's on duty 24 hours. I wanna tell you, when you're a Christian, you're a daughter and son of the King of Kings, you're on duty 24 hours. Just ask God to help you. There's nothing more wonderful than giving God's grace and love and healing power to people. And God wants to use you. May God richly bless you. I pray that within yourself, as the pastor comes and rounds up now, that you'll just uh, accept a full commitment. Maybe you need to say today, look, I, Lord, I've only been 5% committed or not 100%, I wanna be committed from my, as I love to say, from my dandruff to my chewblains. I wanna be absolutely committed to you so I see your power in my life. Let's pray. Father, thank you for these people who've come out because they want to be in church. And I know you love them for that. And I pray today will be a Sunday that they'll never forget the 2nd of September, 2018. And it was this Sunday that the Holy Spirit challenged them and they absolutely committed their life to Jesus. Lord, there may be somebody who's never been to church before or maybe somebody regularly comes, but today they fully committed to you. And I pray in Jesus' name, you said, ask anything in my name and I'll do it. I pray when they do this, they will know something has happened as the power of the Holy Spirit takes them over. Do it, Lord Jesus, because you can. You're Lord of Lords, you're King of Kings. Thank you for listening to our prayer. Amen. Thank you for listening.